Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Silicon Dreams 1550 AM. I'm Charlene from Orbis 86, your host for today. Now, you must have heard of HBAR Suite, the pioneering force behind the smart node network, switching up DeFi on the Hedera network. Their innovative technology, Smart Node, is empowering developers to create groundbreaking, groundbreaking decentralized finance applications with unparalleled agility and power. And guess what? We're thrilled to introduce two guests, very, very special, actually, from HBAR Suite, Topachi, the CEO and founder at HBAR Suite, and Tomachi Anura, CTO and co-founder at HBAR Suite. Welcome, guys. It's amazing to have you on our podcast today. How are you guys doing? Thanks a lot for having us. Hello, everyone. Thanks a lot. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. It's it's great uh, having you guys. And I know you guys are going to bring a wealth of expertise and insights into today's episode. So listeners, you have got to watch out. On that note, I want to start with, you know, the both of you just giving us a little introduction. You can choose who goes first. So a little introduction about um, yourself and your journey into Web3 and, you know, what you are working on today. Uh, I go by Topachi and I've been into the... Uh, well, the cryptocurrency space uh, for about like almost 10 years now, and it's been a great journey. And it, it's awesome to be on into the Dare ecosystem because uh, me and the co-founder Tomachi, uh, we've known each other for about 10 years as well. And uh, it's been an incredible journey because we are uh, brothers-in-law and uh, we're really close uh, friends as well. We're like almost like blood family, so to speak. And once we realized like uh, what was going on with the header ash graph with dr limon bird's invention you know we really uh, were ecstatic about what it was being built back in like 2016 2017 you know so, so uh, it, it was amazing where we both had this energy to build something like so exciting in a sense that we both were very much intrigued into this new technology that would allow us to do something as great as HBAR Suite to this day. And uh, it's been it's been really awesome so far. That's awesome. So yeah, I mean, Tomachi, we would love to have you go next. I would just, just go step by step with answers. All I can say right now is that I'm very excited because we are getting close to our um, version two and uh, the second roadmap. And there's like uh, lots of new features that are about to be released. And we've been working non-stop. We're kind of uh, feeling overwhelmed sometimes because the team is small and we really have a lot to do. But I'm super happy about how things are going and how the, the community is responding to all our inputs and features. And um, and it's growing also or, um, organically, which makes me like very, very happy about it um it has been a long journey but there's still like a lot of things to to still be de developed and deliver it so i'm very excited about this 2024 and all the things that are will be slowly rolling out absolutely i think we are as excited as you guys are and with that i think we're going to get a little deeper into you know what you guys are working on and what's happening uh and what's planned uh in the road ahead for 2024 so with that, uh, you know, can you guys tell us a little bit about, you know, HBAR Suite, give us an overview and, uh, you know, the DeFi services built on uh, the Hedera network. So, well, HBAR Suite is a suite of DeFi services, which has been built on, uh, on top of the Dara network. And so we, we are uh, what they say, what they call like a layer 1.5, which is like, we're almost layer two, but not quite. And 
this brings the concept of uh, the DAPnet, which is like application networks. And this is something that uh, Dr. Limon Baird was always uh, speaking about back in this Harvard lecture days. And uh, it's really also a concept because this allows you to create many different decentralized application networks in a, in a in fact, decentralized manner. And the really cool part is that you don't actually need the smart contracts for it. And um, in order to achieve this, we created what we call the smart node technology. And this aims to showcase the future of the uh, appnets uh, that could potentially replace smart contracts in the future, so to speak. Um, but when we talk about like particular differences, uh, distinguishes smart nodes from traditional smart contracts or even Hedera smart contracts, uh, there are many differences that can be talked about in regards uh, and uh, this uh, regarding examples, for example, that when uh, when a user is executing a smart contract transaction, at least with everything that I'm going to say, it's related to the header ecosystem, generically speaking, to be more uh, precise. So when a user is executing, for example, a smart contract transaction, they're not able to see um, what they're about to execute when they sign the transaction, when they agree to perform, you know? So um, it could be literally anything at the point. Uh, while with the smart nodes, the really cool thing is that you're able to see in advance before you sign exactly what is going to happen. And there is no allowance in there whatsoever, no weird surprises that could be going in the background. And smart contract dApps, uh, another thing that's important to say is that they have more maintenance limits and higher cost of maintenance. Because contracts themselves usually require developers who specifically work on uh, on a certain particular programming language, such as uh, Solidity, for example, or Rust in the case. Um, and to find Solidity developers is much harder and much more expensive. And then you have to have uh, front-end developers, back-end developers that run a server that so that smart contracts can probably interact with in a, in a desired manner. Um, with the smart nodes instead, you just have like a maintenance is cheaper and more straightforward as the code is uh, written in JavaScript, um, specifically um, TypeScript. And, but JavaScript, generally speaking, is one of the most popular and widely used programming languages in the world. So it's like it comprom comprises of like 95% of uh, developers know JavaScript and know more or less how to use it, you know. And um, most, most web developers, uh, by using these, the, Therefore, the onboarding level for developers in the world of Web3 with the smart nodes will be much easier and accessible compared to the smart contract developer counterparts. Uh, another thing that we can talk about is the fact that smart contracts have uh, a data structure and memory limit that needs to be taken into consideration. Uh, for example, on Adera, the memory limit that smart contracts have is uh, about 10 megabytes. Meanwhile, with the smart nodes, uh, we have extreme, extreme flexibility in terms of um, data structure and memory availability, basically. Um, smart contracts on Edera uh, run about 200, 300 transactions per second as well, while our nodes can basically nat natively run on uh, Edera speeds, which right now they're throttled down to 10,000 transactions per second, uh, but can potentially be more in the future. And while smart con another important thing is to say is that while smart contracts cannot interact with outside the world, outside of their uh, blockchain where they come from, 
the smart nodes are able to interact like on-chain, off-chain, cross-chain, across any application network connected to the internet. And and one of the other things that we can say is that smart nodes basically solve the Oracle problem that to this day smart contracts have. Right. And uh, yeah, so, you know, now that we've understood what distinguishes smart nodes from traditional smart contracts and, you know, especially how they contribute to the decent to decentralization and efficiency, um, I want to ask you about, you know, how do smart nodes leverage cloud computing environments like Google Cloud or Amazon Web Services to decentralize their operations? Yeah, well, essentially, smart nodes can easily be run on um, those type of environments, like, uh, like you mentioned, Google Cloud or Amazon Web Services, but basically can be deployed into any cloud environment as well as potentially a local environment. And generally speaking, smart nodes don't really need that much of a computing power. So a computing power. So they're they run on very low power. You know, the the thing is that uh, at the initial stages, especially when the V2 will be coming out and we'll have node validators, we advocate the use of cloud computing environments because we plan we plan on having a simple one-click deploy solution where users will be easily able to deploy their own smart nodes and they don't have to think about keeping their computer connected to the internet and on all the time, you know, and because we will basically have a reputation proof of reputation system where, for example, if you turn your computer off or your node is off or the internet goes down, then like you may not have as you may not have as well of a reputation as something like that is deployed into the cloud computing environment, which is basically as a almost hundred percent uptime uh, most of the times. Could you kind of elaborate on the use cases for smart nodes? You know, in building like custom DeFi protocols and enterprise private networks. And Tomachi, you can also give in your inputs. Sure, thanks. I will let Topachi go for it. And if if needed, I will just jump jump in. Absolutely. Go ahead, man. The smart nodes can be highly customizable for basically any user needs. Um, and can also as well be used in a private and encrypted network for institutions that may require the nodes to be this way. And some use cases example that come to my mind is uh, from our partnership, one of the latest announced partnership with the, uh, the company Shikom MSG Berhad, which is basically a company engaged in outsourcing and also private technology services. And we recently made a partnership with them uh, so that they will be able to leverage the smart node technology as a private network to be utilized as a core network for a decentralized identity uh, application for the Education Malaysia Global Services, which is like a, a Malaysian government branch in this case. So this has been used as a private network for a decentralized identity. Um, another use case, uh, another use case that comes to my mind is uh, our also partnership with the Bankweb, which is a crypto bank as well as broker and the real estate vendor. And they are currently leverage our smart nodes to provide their customer all the web two and web three functionality, which are merged into an awesome hybrid model. And it's it's a really interesting model because the way that we're building with Bankwa, uh, for example, let's take the marketplace or the crypto exchanges part or the staking. So it's basically centralized identity and at the same time though, like although it is custodial where user has to deposit funds in accounts that are 
under Banqua's, so to speak, control. At the same time, the smart nodes are all decentralized. So you have this hybrid centralized and decentralized model, which uh, it's, a, it's a really particular interest because enhances the trust into decentralization in deploying um, something that uh, is made by an actual financial institution that still needs to have a certain uh, level of control um, in order to be able uh, um, to perform certain uh, uh, finance operation within a, a regulated environment in this case. All right. Yeah. And uh, Tomachi, would you like to add anything to that? Yeah. Well, um, the 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 main differences between like public network and private network is that uh the public one will rely on the smart nodes which are run by community members basically. So uh, if you are a developer and you want to build like your own launchpad or you want to build your own uh, marketplace uh, or anything else, uh, you would be able to basically choose between relying on the public network uh, or building your own private one. So um, when you go public, it's, uh, it's also very interesting because you are... Um, basically uh, telling everyone that you own one third of the keys and the other one is held by the smart node uh, H-suite network and the other third is owned by the community network, okay. which basically means that as a project owner, mm -hmm. you don't have anymore the power to just rug pull your token or just run out with the money because... Uh, you need to have the consensus of the smart nodes, which will behave under a validator protocol approach. Mm -hmm. So basically, when you deploy a smart app, that's how we call them, and you rely on a public network, then each node of the network will recall the validator, which is going to be stored into Hedera consensus service in a JSON format. So it's like a set of rules. So if you, let's say, if you create a launchpad, right, and everybody's going to buy your token and the set of rules says that uh, only a DAO approval can unlock funds from this wallet, then you have truly have no way, uh, even though you are the project owner yourself, to just take these H bars and run away with them. Yeah. Uh, you must stick to the protocol that you have been deploying. And each changes go through Hedera consensus service, so everyone would easily know if you are willing to change those rules or not. Mm -hmm. And there are also different security levels, like um, also writing into Hedera consensus service to change the validation rules. Uh, it's under a multi-sig approach because Hedera consensus service itself it's a topic system where you can submit message. And the submission keys, it's also a multi-sig. So basically, as an owner, you can't change the validation rules as you wish, when you wish, because it has to be approved by the entire network, right. which is bringing like a high level of complexity, but at the same time, it's a high level of security as well. Uh, because it's that like, like when you go with contracts, uh, for example, you can deploy a proxied contract, right? So you have your original smart contract and then you have the proxy one. Yes. Everyone interacts with the proxy one, but and you can also validate the contract, which is the proxy contract. But if you change the proxy address, 
no one will be notified about that. And mm -hmm. as a project owner, having the contract keys, you have all the power to change the proxy address contract whenever you want. So this is highly unsecure because you don't only have to know solidity. You don't only have to be careful if the contract is pointing to the same proxy address, but you also have to check constantly because there is no triggering, like no consensus message, no notifications whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And this is truly important, and this will come in our V2. Uh, we are truly working hard to make this happen uh, because um, to us, it's truly important to uh, prioritize the centralization um and security instead of um doxing out you know we have seen many projects with doxed people with name and surnames and 90 percent of them have been either failing either rugging pool and run away with the money so being doxed or using smart contracts is not a measure of security at all and this is what we want to prove uh we we want to showcase that the good technology and the good methodology can basically increase the security and the trust level. And this is what blockchain it's it's all about, in my opinion. It's like if you truly want to get permissionless and trustless, you cannot keep relying on identities of uh, people. You know, you should just rely on a decentralized approach, which is truly trustless in the meaning that you don't have any third party which is asking you to trust blindly what's going on behind the scenes. And this also reflects in the way we approach offline transactions because what we say is that even though you are not a developer, even though you don't know how to read code, uh, you don't have to trust us because every single transaction you sign using smart note technology is exactly uh, like what you see is what you get. So before you sign, you know exactly what you are going to spend and what you are going to receive in the same exactly atomic transaction. And there is no allowance whatsoever requested by our smart notes. So you don't give us the permission to use your money and you don't sign blindly some smart contract call that you don't even know what's going to happen. You know, that is it's all clear and it's all showing your crypto wallet in the exact moment you're about to sign the same transaction. You know, I think trust is definitely a big problem right now because where I come from in India, when we talk about Web3 in general, like we've spoken about this in a couple of episodes where not everybody looks at Web3 with the best of, um, you know, uh, optimism, I would say. Um, there is always that thing, oh, it's 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 re related to scams and just because of everything that's happening in the market. So I think this definitely changes the game and I'm really excited to see where this is headed. And, um, you know, something that also that I want to talk about is um, as the world's first carbon negative DAO utilizing smart note te technology, how does HBAR suite contribute to sustainability efforts? So we basically contributed with the fact that by showing that our technology, even compared to smart contracts on Edera, is much cheaper and requires much less gas. And as a matter of fact, our smart nodes are about 80 times cheaper than smart contracts on Edera are, in, if that tells you anything. So, and by building on top of Edera, like we're totally committed to make sure that we are as little as possible, or even as we say, carbon negative, uh, impact 
into the regards of sustainability to go forward in the future, you know, because it's really well needed to take this uh, step ahead. That is a great insight. And um, could you also explain how smart nodes enable infinite scalability and address the limitations and risks associated with smart contracts? Um, so when we speak regarding the difference into finance application, uh, we have to look uh, different aspects for it. Um, the way that the smart nodes are intended to work, especially for the security aspect for all things, is that thanks to there, we are building a core security mechanism that works uh, basically um, in lemon terms with multi-sig of a multi-sig mechanism. So we're envisioning a place where um, if you have a smart application uh, built by a developer, for example, uh, you have a core mechanism of security where to perform any operation, you have a multi-sig of a multi-sig where from one side, for example, you have the smart nodes, right? So if you have a, a threshold two out of two, from one side you have the smart nodes, and from the other side you have, for example, the developer or the user. And if you set up two two threshold, even if the smart nodes, let's say, get hacked or they are bad actors, even if the smart nodes would be multi-sig themselves, they would have a whole multi-signature or multi-signature mechanism. Or even if from the other side, the developer or the user is a, a bad actor, you must have both signatures to perform any action. So the chances of both of the groups to be compromised are basically lowered to a minimum in this case. Like, um, so as far as we know, there is not a project in the crypto space that works in um, this manner that we're planning to do in regards of uh, uh, architecture for a security level in this case. So you always need the approval of both the the one of the user, you know, and the provider in this case. And and, that, and that's really big because it's a backfeeding mechanism in this case. And like Tomac, you mentioned before, there is a through the Hedera consensus service as well, by using Hedera as a layer zero, you have this uh, validation method, which is public, easily readable, and can be verified by anybody who doesn't even know how to read the uh, code in general. Like JSON is just like, it's very simple to read in this case and can also be, um, verified in a very, very easy manner in this case. I'm, I'm sure while building, there are obviously challenges that you, you encounter. So uh, what are some of the challenges that um, you guys have come across while developing and implementing smart nodes? And how do you overcome them? How do you plan to overcome some of the challenges that you think that you foresee? That it could be a lot that Biko said here, but I'll keep it short. Yeah. Uh, well, Premier, Primary ch challenges that we faced was mostly related about learning uh, deeply how that works from tip to toe, like as well as keeping up with the network updates that sometimes would require us to readapt the smart node architecture for central types of uh, features or functionalities. Uh, but um, I can say like nothing major, nothing major we had regarding the troubles and challenges really and any challenge or issues that we faced it just kind of uh slowed down on development took us extra time to fix but also to readapt like the architecture and uh, make it work in the best way possible while interfacing uh, while interfacing with Hedera as layer zero but 
Yeah, overall, like our team, we, we're we're a small team, but we're really good. We're really resilient, you know. And any challenges that we have to this day, I never we never experienced something that we could just say, oh, we cannot overcome this. And this is because also like the smart note technology, the way that it's built, it's super flexible. You know, it doesn't really have any particular limits. Um, it's 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 been a quite of a journey, I can say. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, with what you guys are building and with the revolution that is going to create, uh, I'm pretty sure there will be, uh, you know, bumps. But that, like you said, we, you have a team that will support you and you guys with the dynamics of the founder and the co-founder right together. I was just watching, um, you know, while, while you said about that. So that's that's very interesting. And I think um, I, I hope the best for uh, the both of you and the whole team. And my, I come to my last Thanks. question you know the future looking ahead what are some of the future plans and developments for hbar suite and you know particularly regarding the expansion of smart note technology and its applications i mean we we really look forward to releasing our version to the smart nodes which we're really working out for it and it's coming out this year and this because it will really enable any developer to easily easily onboard into the world of web3 and without much of the hassle compared to what it would be when building on other blockchains with smart contracts. And, you know, after after two years of extensive development and showcases that we have put out there, um, more and more people have been starting to finally realize the power that can be harnessed from uh, the smart note technology. And that shows also with the uh, old enterprise partnership that we recently have acquired, like I mentioned before, with uh, Banqua and uh, Shigom for example, um, we we can only see exponential growth like at a faster and a faster pace. That's what we've been experiencing. And we have many, many more updates to our, for our community that we have in store. We can just not say yet because we're laying them out and uh, in a timely manner for this whole year of 2024. But I can say that we are incredibly bullish about HBRC future and We've proven ourselves each time that we are made of all substances and not useless hype. Not announcement of announcements kind of thing, you know, building hype and then just letting people disappointed. But we we come out with only good quality stuff. That is great. I mean, that is what is definitely required over just building hype. And I know I said this is my last question, but I have just one last thing to ask. So a lot of our listeners here are new to Web3. So I want, you know, one piece of advice from the both of you. Um, what would you advise newcomers, people who are just newly being onboarded to Web3? Uh, how would you advise them to, you know, navigate through or people, especially entrepreneurs who are, you know, building newly on, on Web3? What is your one advice to them? Well, uh, I can say on the developer's perspective, mostly is that uh, um, coming from like web development space, which most developers know how to use JavaScript more or less, like with uh, with our technology that will be coming up, we will be making very, very, very easy to develop compared to other counterparts that there will be out there. And yes, it still depends on like the type of background that a person would have and experiences. Those always uh, must be accounted into consideration. And one other thing is that as regardless of the fact that we'll make it as easy as possible to do certain things, we have learned as a team that we we must be united in a way that we cannot do everything by ourselves. 
like depending unless you're working on something usually developers work in companies you know or they have teams like one person cannot do it all as good as you can be there will be a breaking point where you're gonna have to delegate or ask for help you know or ask for advice it could be in any particular case so our advice is in this case like we were also we also set up the Edge Suite Foundation recently, and the Edge Suite Foundation would be also utilized in order for onboarding as many developers as possible to help them and guide them and tutor them into coming to the Web3 space and kind of explain them how, how more or less everything works, what the community can expect, you know, from a development aspect of things, you know, and what are like the sort of minimum requirements for Hong Kong that we would expect from somebody developing a Web3, which usually involves uh, money, people's mm -hmm. money. So there are certain standards that need to be um, followed through that. That's that's a great initiative. Um, so listeners, if you're hearing, um, you know what to do. And yeah, Tomachi, would you like to you know share a bit of advice from your side? Yeah, I would just say, be brave, guys, and be creative uh you know standards are standards just because someone has been believing in those and utilizing them and pushing them forwards um so we are living in a wonderful times where we can fully be creative and if you come to a there as a developer you might see the chances to develop a smart way of doing things which is not always implying smart contracts. I'm not saying don't use smart contracts. I'm not either say use smart notes. That's truly up to you, but at least investigate the technology you're about to use because after all, Hedera is not even a blockchain. It is a, a hash graph, which is a completely different way of approaching things. And uh, you don't have to use blocks for that. And you can be very creative and all the tools that Header itself offers, apart from HSuite uh, tools, they are truly interesting as a layer zero. So be brave and be creative. That's all I can say. That's that's one of the best advice I've heard till date. Be brave and be creative, um, especially given the nature of Web3. And yeah, with that, we come to the end of this amazing episode. Uh, I would really love to thank um, you guys, Tobachi, the CEO and founder of HBAR Suite, and Tomachi, the yep. CEO and co-founder of HBAR Suite. Thank you so much, guys. I hope you had Thanks a great- Thank you, Sonia. <laughs> yes. And uh, yeah, so folks, stay tuned for more inspiring conversations as we continue to explore the limitless possibilities of blockchain technology and AI.